Golf and rock and roll, not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway, don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going, we were born to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on 740 The Game. I love to play. Hey, bring me another bucket of balls. We love it. And turn on the lights. I love Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4. In the house, Holly G, along with the best caddy on the planet, Rich B. Hey, best player, you know right now, huh? A little whooping at Metro West. Whooping? You want to talk about it? I thought the skins went all square amongst the group. Oh, uh, you did make birdie on 17. That was pretty, sp- <laughs> pretty big, spectacular. Big birdie on 17, Oh, they Rich bailed B. you out of a lot of money you owed me. 20-footer? Oh, didn't see that coming. Nothing but net. <laughs> Little victory dance on the green. Sean uh, couldn't even see the hole at that point. It got very small. After you made your putt, oh, you couldn't even see the hole. But uh, it was fun to play. Great golf course. Metro in fantastic condition, even despite the torrential rains we've had. And um, big shout out to Eric Brew over there, the uh, director of golf. And part of your fine organization, under the celebrity c- uh, celebration celebrity. golf management yeah, yeah. umbrella, now that they have several golf courses in the neighborhood, uh, and they're they're collecting more by the day, and they're doing a great job, and they've got great promotions. You know, they've got great uh, prices for golf these days for the locals, and uh, come on out and enjoy some of the. Uh, Many golf courses that they have available. Well, we're going to give them a reason to come out and play some golf because uh, thanks to the to the team over there at Metro West, we've got some swag in our hands in the studio tonight, Rich B. Oh, here we go. little giveaway. Celebration Golf Management uh, has a specialty hospitality pass going on right now. And these things are worth a little gold, Rich B, that I've got in my hand. Um, basically you own one of these passes, your tea time is free and your, the rest of your foursome gets to come and play for $15 at Metro West. Pretty darn good deal. And any of the celebration management courses. Yes, that's correct. Now we've got several on the card that you can choose from one in your neighborhood, particularly that you like is under the Celebration Golf Management umbrella. You can use this hospitality pass. It's pretty cool. And uh, one-time deal, come out, and uh, we're going to actually give some away, right, Holly? We are. We are going to give uh, three away to the first three callers calling in at 407-916-8255, 407-916-8255, a hospitality pass to play some sweet golf out at Metro West or any of the Celebration Management Integrity Golf golf courses in Orlando. So give us a call, 407-916-8255. Rich B., first three callers. 
get your hospitality pass. I'll give you a rematch, Holly. Boy, that's awkward silence right there. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you a rematch. You think? (laughs) Uh, We had a lot of fun out there. We certainly did. And um, Rich B., we're still talking about the Ryder Cup, aren't we? Weeks now. It's been weeks. Two to be exact. But uh, our good friend Bob Herrick broke a big story over the weekend about some of the things that really were said in the team room. Uh, that provided a much different context to some of the remarks that Phil Mickelson made at the press conference after uh, the Americans were defeated. And we are going to hear from Bob coming up in our next segment. We also are going to have Todd Lewis from the Golf Channel. He's fresh back from the Ryder Cup. He took a week off afterwards, I think a little vacation, played a little golf. So he had uh, he, he had some fun over there. And... Um, and then a little bit of sad news for some of us in the golf world. We lost a terrific longtime golf writer, good friend of mine, uh, yesterday, Jack O'Leary, long, long time golf writer for the Boston Herald, wrote um, in the 80s and the 90s, sort of a Boston legend up there in the golf world, and then moved to Orlando and um, did a lot of writing here. For a long time, was an editor for Florida Golf Monthly and also wrote numerous stories for our good friend over there, Terry Purdom at Florida Golf Central Magazine. So we're going to have a little special tribute to Jack in the final part of the show here. Um, you know, he's uh, getting ready to tee it up in his favorite Irish fairways up there in heaven, Rich The B, big right golf now. course in the sky. Good for him. You know, he's a great guy. And uh, we will miss him here at the uh, Golf Insiders, uh, a great writer, great storyteller. This oh, guy, my gosh. He, he could fill up a few hours with a few great stories. One of the best. And uh, not only with his golf stories and his trips to Ireland, but you know, he got to cover, you're from that neck of the woods, Rich B., all those great Boston teams and Oh, man. Larry Bird. And, uh, you know, he had some great stories about that. And it's just, uh, it was so cool to sit down and have, uh, you know, have a, a listen to some of the uh, goings on there during the 80s uh, in, in the Boston Herald uh, writing. You know, he's a great, great fellow. Yeah. So we got a lot to talk about tonight. And, um, we're going to take a quick little break. Stay with us. The Golf Insider, 740 The Game. We'll be right back. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blues. The struggler's blues. We're back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Holly G, along with Rich B., and he broke the big story, got the scoop on Saturday, Rich B. Doing his homework. Doing his homework, not letting any grass grow under his feet after coming back from Glen Eagles. Certainly lots of conversation going on last week about Phil Mickelson's remarks as well as Tom Watson's uh, open letter um, in uh, reply to what also transpired over this weekend about the fact that things got kind of ugly in the team room and there was a, a, a much deeper context to 
some of the comments that Phil made at the press conference. And we're going to go to the man who got the scoop and broke the story, our own Bob Herrick from ESPN.com. Hey, Bob. Hey, how's it going, guys? Going well. Um, Still... So much, so many legs to this story, certainly ratcheting up the conversation. And uh, you put a big, big Bunsen burner under it, Bob. Well, uh, that wasn't my, <laughs> that wasn't my goal or intent. Uh, it just sort of, sort of worked out that way uh, when you, when you kind of stumble across uh, what I was hearing, um, you know, about what, uh, what occurred there at Glen Eagles on Saturday night and, you know, I think that was just sort of scratching the surface of, of what was going on and why why things, you know, kind of played out the way they did. Uh, there was there was some discontent there. There was there's some some bruised feelings, some some actual shock at the way things were done, and uh, you know, it, it led to you know what we've been discussing now for almost you know for ten days basically. Well, some of the you know comments uh, you might share with our listeners a few of the things you mentioned in your story which ran on espn.com on saturday but uh you know basically tom came in and um spanked the guys pretty hard for their performance on saturday and don't think it was probably a very good place to you know i think he took the tough love approach but um share some more of the comments and how things went down well you know I think what was so so shocking about it was that this was not like a locker room speech, you know. And then I think that what what would come into play here is would, would this stuff even come out, you know? Because what's said in the locker room usually stays in the locker room. But you know, there were nearly fifty people in that room, best I can tell. Uh, you know, it wasn't just players; it was their caddies, it was their their their, their wives, their caddies' wives. Um, a few PGA officials, some workers who were tending to the room, you know, providing food and drinks. I mean, it was a lot of people. And for it to get that kind of tense just seemed odd that, that it would happen that way. And, and uh, clearly the people that I spoke to were offended. I, I know that some others took it differently. I've seen in other places where, you know, they, they at first thought that the whole thing about the, uh, the gift where, you know, he kind of, he kind of like dismissed the gift that the players had given him a, uh, a Ryder cup replica with, with all their signatures. I mean, it's kind of standard, you know, you get the captain something and they decided to give it to him on the Saturday night. And, and, uh, you know, he said he wanted the real thing, but, but his delivery was, was poor, you know, and it kind of, it just sort of, uh, I think highlighted, uh, you know, lack of communication and, and some things that, that didn't go over very well with the players during the week that, that, that obviously led to what Phil did Sunday night. I mean, uh, he clearly knew what he was doing when he said what he said, and it was, it was meant to back up his teammates and also to, to perhaps shine a light on the situation and see if there might be some change down the road. Well, it uh, certainly has put a big light on the situation. Apparently, Ted Bishop, PGA of America president, has already, uh, is he engaging a task force? Give us some updates. Yeah, it sounds like they're going to at least look at the idea of putting together some sort of a group that's going to study every aspect of of the U.S. Ryder Cup 
uh, wh- whether it be the point system, whether it be, you know, the captain's picks, and also picking the captain and maybe setting up some sort of a uh, uh, a system whereby maybe assistants are groomed to be captains and uh, you have some continuity. It sounds like that was Mickelson's big, big gripe, you know, that every two years, they're, they're they've got a new a new deal and something new to learn something another way to do it. You've got captains who haven't been around who who want to do it their way, which is fine except for the fact that they're not winning, you know. And uh, it seems like Europe has a plan, you know. Uh, go back and look at all their captains. Uh, McGinley had been an assistant captain on two teams. Uh, before that. Uh, uh, Olaf Abel had been an assistant. Monty had, I don't know if Monty had been an assistant, but Monty had played on so many teams. Falder was the only one who had never really been an assistant, and they, that was the one that they lost. Uh, Woosnam had been an assistant, Longer. I mean, they, they kind of, uh, McGinley used the word template. They have a template, and they follow it. And while each captain brings his own little thing to it, they're kind of following the same system. And uh, the guys who become the captain kind of understand uh, what went on before them. So I think the U.S. is maybe trying to borrow a little bit from that and figure out a way to move forward. Well, and we, we did have our version of that. That's what Paul Azinger created with his pod system, which worked, you know, obviously extremely well, and we won, and we won given the fact that he had a team made up of, what, almost 50% rookies, and also Tiger Woods was not on that team. Yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, I'm not sure that system in itself is the answer, but it has a lot of good things about it because if you think about it, if, if I'm going to play all four of the team matches, the most different partners I can have is four, right? So, but, and the chances of you playing with a different one every time are very remote. If you're going to play that many times, you're going to have the same partner at least once. So if you put these guys in a group of four, that means you're playing with three other guys. Those are the guys you're going to play with. I, I think, and, and what's happened here is like, if he wanted to split up a team like Phil and Keegan, well, had Keegan really practiced playing alternate shot with anybody else? He's never played in a team competition with anybody but Phil. And so you need to have had a backup plan. You need to have alternatives or vice versa. You need to be able to determine, okay, Phil and Keegan didn't play very well on Friday afternoon. Can I put one of them with somebody else on Saturday morning? If you haven't worked that out, you can't. And so that's the beauty of the pod system. You kind of get invested in those players. I mean, there's 12 guys on the team, but you're never going to play in any of the team formats with all of them. You're only going to play with two or three at the most. Well, you better be getting used to playing with them. And that's, I think, one of the downfalls of not doing it that way. And, and you know, Azer kind of set that template in 08, and then Cordy Paver never really even discussed it with him uh, two years later. Now, did the U.S. lose because of that? I hardly think so. That one in Wales was, you know, one of the, one of the sessions had to be cut down, and, you know, the U.S. made a furious comeback on the last day. Uh, you know, they lost by one point. Same with two years ago. Uh, Davis sort of followed that plan in that if you, if you saw his pairing, everybody kind of went out in the same order. 
you know, he had Bubba and Webb together, and then they were first and second in the singles. And he had Keegan and Phil, and, you know, he kind of tried to keep groups together. But when he was faced with the situation where in the afternoon on that Saturday, when Phil told him, absolutely, you know, I don't think we should play, he could have maybe put Keegan with Tiger that afternoon. They had never practiced together. You know, so these are the things that we now second-guess and defeat. We're talking to Bob Herrig from ESPN.com. Rich B. Yeah, Bob, now how about a little timeline here? Now, they they weren't very good on Friday, and then they really take a beating, and uh, they, it doesn't look good on Saturday evening. Now, is this when you actually caught wind of some of the conversations in the locker room, or, you know, was it Saturday after or Sunday after the round, or – when did you actually, you know, uh, you know, gain a foothold in the story? No, I, I didn't know about what happened in the team room until uh, until until after we got home into the week. Um, while we were there, there were some rumblings about how the Watson um, conversations went with uh, Keegan and and Phil and Webb Simpson on that Saturday, and it didn't sound good. It didn't sound real good how that went down. Uh, he was hard on them, apparently. But there was, it was almost impossible to get that confirmed. I mean, the, uh, uh, you know, the access to the players was tough. And, uh, but you just knew. You knew based on the way he, the way he was doing his pairing. Uh, you know, he, did, he had said going in that he was going to keep the hot team together. Well, Spieth and, uh, and Reed had just taken out Ian Poulter on Friday morning, and then he didn't play him in the afternoon. And then you don't play Phil all day Saturday. And two-year captain's picks, Keegan and Webb don't play. They only play one match. Or Phil, or Keegan actually played two on Friday. But, I mean, you, pick, you, you have these captain's picks and then you don't play them. You just kind of knew that there was tension. And after uh, we all got back, you know, I actually wrote a column. In fact, we all spoke about it last week. Um, you know, I kind of took Phil to task for the way he, he handled himself on Sunday night in that interview session. Uh uh, although I don't feel, feel that I ripped him, I was critical of the timing. I thought that it was odd that he would do it like that. Uh, it was very harsh. It was it was very awkward and, and uncomfortable. And clearly he was frustrated and upset and missed. Well, after that, I started to hear some things. And then you start to realize Phil had his, had his reasons. And it was kind of like around last Thursday. My story actually published Friday night. And uh, I was I was sort of putting it together Thursday and then all day Friday, uh, and trying to get as many people as I could to talk to me to fill in as many details as possible. I mean, one thing I didn't want is is one version to, and somebody else completely think thought of it as different. The, the the people I talked to pretty much had the same take that uh, you know that 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 they were stunned by what Watson said in the meeting. And they also saw Phil kind of emerge as a leader, you know, the way he tried to turn the room around and make it positive with his talk to the team. And they all felt that, you know, he did that on Sunday because he wanted to, sh- to, to stick up for his teammates and also to send a message, you know, to let the PGA of America know, you know, that th- there needs to be some changes going forward. And, and he, he, uh, he appears to have gotten his message across. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And um, you know, was was I think the the right guy, who in his own right, in terms of his passion for this event, uh, clearly 
there was more behind his venting. And, um, you know, now now it's blown the conversation wide open, which, you know, had he done it privately, it would have, I think, um, probably not uh, not not changed. There, there was um, the, the people I spoke to. Uh, one of them told me they felt that 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 by him taking a hit like that, it would, it would bring more attention to it. But there was a golf week story. Uh, they spoke to somebody. Obviously, I, I do not know who, but they had uh, a source in their piece say, if Phil hadn't done this, uh, then talking to Ted Bishop or the PGA, you know, privately or away from the Ryder Cup would not have had nearly the same effect. Uh, that in, in that in that source's mind, nothing would have happened. Nothing would have changed. Now we don't know that for sure, but the fact that somebody believed that and said it. I think is, is sort of what we're at here, what, why, this, why this was done. You know, Phil, my guess is that Phil knew exactly what he was doing. I frankly didn't give him enough credit for that at first. And he was prepared to take the, take the criticism. He knew it was going to look bad. He knew it was going to come off uh, poorly in some circles, that he'd get criticized, and he didn't care. He was willing to take the heat in order to, to, you know, to, to get his agenda you know, aired, and, and, and clearly it's worked. Uh, Watson delivered a six-paragraph statement that was released through the PGA of America uh, following your story, Bob. Uh, Obviously well-crafted, and he apologized and also, again, took responsibility as the captain, said that uh, the mistakes that were made were mine, and I take complete and full responsibility for them. So in the end... As, as you put in your column, will Watson be seen as a flawed captain or a jilted legend? What do you think is going to be the result? Well, I think that statement helped. Um, it wasn't going to do any good to, to, to be sort of, look, you know, I disagree with Phil. I mean, he might deep down not, not like what went on and might think, you know, that his style was the way to do it. And it's, and, you know, let's be honest, I think we all sort of knew the idea behind him was to have a captain who wasn't friends with the players, who wasn't as close to them as previous captains have been. That's sort of been like what's going on here of late. There's been this, this mode of, you know, let's let the players decide. Let's, let's be a player's captain. And, um, you know, I, I think that the, the idea was to move away from that. And that, that, I think most of us thought that was going to be fine. You know, I mean, it wasn't, you know, this isn't, you know, you don't have to be their buddy, but uh, he, he clearly probably crossed the line. I mean, he wasn't good at communication. I'm sorry, you do not sit still all day for a session. You just don't do that. I mean, for all the talk about Phil's record, he's got, you know, he's right behind Furyk in most losses in U.S. Ryder Cup history by one match. He, he was 2-1 and one at this Ryder Cup, and he, he's 5-2 uh, and two in his last two. You know, he was three and one at Medina. He was two and one here. He can make a lot of birdies in, in best ball. To sit him for a full day was really disrespectful to to a guy that's uh, you know been a you know he's a Hall of Famer too. He's a Hall of Famer just like Watson. And Bob, so, he um, he will be a captain of one of those Ryder Cup teams in the future. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And uh, there were some people that wondered if this might have hurt that. I doubt it. I think it's going to help it. And, uh, you know, I think he gets to call his shots, and then I think he gets to pick whenever he wants to do it. Well, there's going to be a lot more conversation going in the uh, upcoming weeks. 
uh, wraparound season and more conversation about the Ryder Cup. Great story, Bob Herrig, as always. Thanks for your time on the Golf Insiders. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. You're listening to the Golf Insider, 740 The Game. Stay with us. Todd Lewis from the Golf Channel coming up next. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, that's my job to keep all those nuts away from you. That's just the way it is. Don't play in pebble, won't pay the price. I love my muni, I think it's nice. We're back, the Gulf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Holly G along with Rich B giving away some swag tonight. As we love to do. You play free and your three guests play for $15. Nice. That's a, a pretty piece. good deal. Really good deal. And you're giving away three. First three callers get hospitality pass to Integrity Golf's courses. Family. Which include family of courses, which you know well. One is Hunters Creek, Rich B, Mystic Dunes, Metro West, Ridgewood Lakes. Kissimmee Golf Club, great, great set of courses. Celebration, you just can't get better than this group of golf courses. And the hospitality pass. Yeah, you and three of your friends are going to play for $45. And if you get on the ticket here and call in, your greens fee is going to be free. So here's the number, 407-916-8255, First. Three callers for our Celebration Golf Management Hospitality Pass. Go out and play some golf. It's good for the next two weeks. So, um, you know, might want to use one of those sick days and go have some fun with your buddies. Hey, did you use a sick day on Monday? Who'd you call into? Did you call in sick? I called in sick. <laughs> but my boss, she can be a pain in the rear end sometimes. Your alter ego? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Heidi. Heidi. <laughs> She's, uh, you know, she cracks the whip all the time. But, yeah, we had a blast out there. And thanks again to Eric Rue, who was our host, the golf operations manager at Metro West. And uh, without wasting any more time, Rich B, we're going to go to uh, one of our main golf insiders who's just back from Glen Eagles because he took a little vacay after the Ryder Cup. Working on his golf game. You know what? We need to take him out there and both of us beat him up a little bit. That's right. I think we need to take him out to Metro and see. Uh, he's got a pretty good game, though. He was out there at the Hero World Golf Challenge when Tiger was in town a couple of weeks ago. And, and uh, Todd, he's got game. Hey, Todd Lewis. Hey, guys. It, it won't be a heavy lift for you guys to beat me. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not kidding. <laughs> Yeah, you 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 know you you're just sandbagging us, Todd. There you go, yeah. sandbagging right okay. away. Yeah. Right. So, um, well, where do we start? Lots of news that broke the past few days about some of the things that went down in the team room Saturday night at the Ryder Cup. Your thoughts about where things are right now and where where are we going with with uh, the future of the Ryder Cup? Well, I think this is a very educational experience. Uh, for the PGA of America, uh, for future players for the United States in the Ryder Cup. Um, it, you know, it, it, I'll say this. Tom Watson is his own man, um, but he's, he's a generation or two ahead of the current player. As a matter of fact, think about it. Jordan Spieth is 21. I mean, Tom Watson could easily be his grandfather. 
Um, and this is nothing I'm saying detrimental about Tom Watson. I, obviously, he is a credit to the game. He's done so much for the game. He's in the World Golf Hall of Fame. Um, but I, I believe he he had the approach, talking to him and talking to the players that played uh, under him. He kind of made it made it feel like for him, like he was a collegiate coach and his players were on scholarship. And that's just for for the player of the day. I don't think that that really worked out. Um, there was some distance between himself uh, and the players. The communication lines weren't always open. And I don't know if he was consciously or subconsciously doing that. And, again, that's his style. This is not me slamming Tom Watson. That's his style. But I, I, I think that would have worked. I know it worked in 1993 when he was captain. But I don't know if it works in 2014. So, And this is not a slam on him again, but the PGA of America said that they're going to hang their hat on making Tom Watson going to bring back the old school approach. And unfortunately it just didn't kind of work. Um, So obviously the PGA of America has learned from this. Um, They are, they are now establishing a committee to, um, to pick the proper captain. Um, But um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a little bit of a soap opera. It was was interesting that I, I kind of talked to players and, and some people involved with this heading in Glen Eagles, and you know they 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 said, well, you know we I don't know how tight we are, you know we haven't really been in contact with with Tom Watson and some of his vice captains, but maybe that'll change once we get there. Um, but um, yeah, it just didn't seem to work out. I, I it, it it was team Europe has it right. Let me just say that um, they they have this establishment, they have this formula on how to pick the captain. Um, they get plenty of input from their players, um, and and obviously it has worked. They have won eight of the last ten Ryder Cup matches. Um, so I think it's time for the United States to kind of follow the European formally if they want to win. I agree, and and they they seem to zig and zag well. Uh, there was some stories that came out too that Paul McGinley had, you know, been able to create some pairings with specific players in some of the practice rounds during European tour events. There was well, a lot. See, now, can I stop you there? Yeah. That's difficult to do um, because of the entities involved. Now, the European tour is is the sponsor for Team Europe in the Ryder Cup. Correct. The uh, European tour runs the Ryder Cup when it's in Europe. The PGA of America represents the United States in the Ryder Cup, not the PGA tour. So I'm saying that so the European tour could – could yes work with McGinley during European Tour um, events and and put matchups together. I, I don't know if the PGA of America has that influence on the PGA Tour at PGA Tour events to put Patrick Reed and and Jordan Spieth in the same group at, at the Fries dot com or whatever event. So that's a little difficult. But you're right, correct that's an advantage for Europe. Yeah, definitely an advantage which uh, he utilized. But but also I think you could see some clear strategy with how they took McDowell and paired him with Dubuisson because, Mm -hmm. you know, McGinley spent time getting to know Dubuisson and felt that McDowell would be able to take him under his wing and be able, you know, to, you know, kind of guide him. And you saw him break up the pair of Rory and, and Graham, where we've gotten stuck in these pairings where, you know, we stay with him no matter what. And it just seemed all the way around that these guys, you know, what needed to be done 
either they had been, and it sounded like it, they'd all been involved in the plan and knew that, you know, things had to be shaken up. They were on board. Don't you agree? Absolutely. Um, there was cohesiveness, camaraderie, um, and insight and thinking a bit out of the box by Paul McGinley. So, yes, credit credit to Team Europe once again. Um, and, I, and obviously it helps playing on home soil uh, as well. Um, so I, I – it, they, they, and they, in my opinion, they right now have the better players too. Um, not by much, not by much, but uh, I think the European team, Europe, uh, that team that was there was just a little bit better, um, especially at the front end. The four of the five uh, in the world are all European. Well, it's, it's, you know, there's tradition with the Ryder Cup. Well, I know some people have even discussed the format. Uh, you know making it more like the President's Cup, which mm-hmm. I, I think is not the direction. I mean, I think they've got to figure out the, you know, the process, but that uh, the matches are the matches. I, I, you know what? I kind of disagree. I, th- I, I think it would be great if it was a four-day event and each player was required to play every day. Um, they don't have to play every session. But, but they have to require they're required to play every day. Um, I think it was um, it was tough not having Phil Mickelson p- playing on Saturday, and he obviously desperately wanted to play as the stories have come out and, and said so. Um, I mean, even if he just played one session. Um, so you know, I I would love to see it be a four day event, and again have every player play at least one day. I think that would be great. Yeah, you know, I I, I think. Uh... That must have been a very difficult conversation, telling, trying to say, uh, Phil, you're not playing Saturday. Uh, that would have been very difficult to uh, break that news on, uh, you know, Captain Watson's side. Uh, I don't think that went very well, that conversation. It did not. <laughs> I can tell you for sure. That conversation did not go well with him. It did not go well with his partner, Keegan Bradley, and it did not go well with Webb Simpson. Uh, I mean, because, I mean, they have a lot of personal pride, obviously. Um, but, um, I was really surprised that, that Keegan and Phil didn't play on Saturday at all. Um, and I mean, they, I mean, they were four and they're four and one together in Ryder Cup and just two Ryder Cups. They went one and one on Friday. They lost one and one, one. That's not, they didn't go zero and two. So I was really surprised they weren't out there at least in one session. Yeah. And they talk about part of the Ryder Cup being about momentum. So he sits Spieth and Reed, and then also the guy who everybody was looking to to be in the leader of the team. So there, there just seemed to I, – I, I don't know uh, what was going on in his head there from a, a, a psychology perspective. And uh, supposedly Tom was a psychology major at Stanford. So something, <laughs> something went wrong there. That was a while ago. Yeah, well, it's again, it's a learning lesson for everyone. I mean, we're sitting here saying the negatives, but there were some positives for Team America um, in the United States, and one of them is Patrick Reed. I, I, I think I think we should tip our hat to what he did. I I've heard a lot of people, even some who are on air at the Golf Channel, say Patrick Reed shouldn't be on this team. I heard some people say that he shouldn't play at all until singles, and I knew better because I. I I know what he did at Augusta State helping through match play lead them to national championship. I know that he feeds off criticism. 
And when people say that he can't do something, he goes out and proves him wrong. And I think he has emerged uh, from the Ryder Cup with a lot more confidence. And let's not forget, in the last 14 months, he's won three times on the PGA Tour. So uh, I, I personally think that this young man, who I think gets a bad rap, by the way, he's a couldn't agree great, more. Great family guy, and you know, sure he said top five and. And Doral, he's a top five player. But you know what? He thinks that. And that's what every, a lot of other players on the PGA Tour think that. And he shouldn't get beat up for that, in my opinion. I, I think he's going to have a banner season, which, by the way, kicks off tomorrow. Absolutely. And uh, with the likes of Billy Horschel, too. It's going to be yeah. a fun uh, year on the PGA Tour as we look to the fries.com coming this week. And Todd, as always, thank you so much. And we'll check in with you next week. You got it, guys. All right. You're listening to the Golf Insider, 740 The Game. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing, and then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah, yeah, really not so lean and mean. I got good Back, the Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Holly G, along with Rich B. More swag, Rich B. More hospitality passes to Celebration Golf Management's numerous courses. Metro West, which we played Monday. Your very own Hunter's Creek, Mystic Dunes. There's, what, eight or ten courses in this group. These are a great pass to all our listeners out there. The uh, Owner of the pass gets his tea time free. You bring three friends, they pay only 15 bucks. Yeah, and that's a pretty good deal these days. And uh, Good excuse to go out and play some. Take a day off. There you go. Bring a friend. So the wraparound tour. How about a phone number? Oh, sorry. 407-916-8255. 407-916-8255. First three callers, you get the pass. Uh, wraparound season starting, fries.com open this week. Defending champ Jimmy Walker, Rich B. This is when he started off like a bang last year. And uh, some decent players in the field. Brant Snedeker, the uh, rookie of the year. Chesson Hadley. Lee Westwood's playing. I think Brant Snedeker Matt wants Kuchar. to get on the Ryder Cup team again in the future. And uh, this is what you're going to start. This is when they start the points. For the next Ryder Cup. And for the next President's Cup as well. Yep. And uh, there's six events remaining for players to qualify in the LPGA for the season-long race to the CME Globe and the $1 million jackpot that goes with it. And the Champions Tour, they're still playing. They've got, I don't know, I think another six weeks left. And they're playing for the, the big old Schwab Cup. So there's plenty of golf left. Here in the uh, fall. Yeah, and Golf Channel's carrying it all. Sure is. And we've got our big event coming up in December. PGA Tour is back in Orlando at Isleworth Golf and Country Club with the Hero World Challenge, which will have a field of 18 PGA Tour players, and and that's going to be a stacked field. That's going to be a lot of fun uh, to have a tour event back here in Orlando in December. As I said earlier in the show, Rich B, we lost a really one-of-a-kind guy uh, 
actually over the weekend. We got news of it yesterday. Longtime sports writer for the Boston Herald, Jack O'Leary, and very well-respected golf writer amongst um, amongst many of us scribes and reporters and journalists and somebody very close to him who we've had on the show a number of times. Um, just wanted to check in and get a few of his memories of Jack O'Leary. Tony Leodora from Philadelphia, Golf Talk Live radio there, as well as uh, his longtime, longtime columnist for the Norristown Herald. Tony, thanks hey, for being uh, with how me. How are you? Very well, it's my a friend. Long day and a tough day, I know that. Um, and I know you and Rich are doing a nice job of a tribute to Jack today. Well, you know, we could spend three hours telling Jack stories. Much like Jack's stories uh, in itself. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. You know, one, you of know the, one, was, it, one of the things of, about Jack, besides being a writer, was uh, he was a pioneer in starting a group that we're a member of called the International Network of Golf. And we'll be celebrating 25 years in June at Mission Inn here in Orlando next year. Hard but to believe. Hard he, to believe. He was the first president and really put the his his fingerprints and handprints on our organization. Yeah, he did. He did. He uh, he was a bit of a pioneer in that and bringing the media and the business end of it together. Um, and and you know he certainly will be known for that. But I'll tell you, he was he was he was a great writer. He really was. Um, not only in general sports for the Boston Herald, but. Uh, he later became senior writer for Senior Golfer Magazine and wrote for many of including me, for <laughs> the many magazines I was involved with over the years. You know, our business changes a little bit. Um, and he, he, he was a terrific writer. Boy, he really had a great way with words. Um, and, I, you know, speaking of a way with words, I, I tr- really struggled through the day today trying to get prepared for this. Um, because I wanted to make sure that I had the proper tone of irreverence when I did get on the line tonight, because Jack would want it that way. Absolutely. Yeah, he would never want one of these uh, teary-eyed tributes to him. Uh, he, he, As a matter of fact, he told me, he said, when I go, I want a, the biggest party, and I want everybody to tell Jack O'Leary stories. Uh, now, do, is, does your show run six hours because it would take that long if we ever started on them that is the regular irish funeral (laughs) (laughs) you got that right rich no no question about that um you know jack was great about bringing the rest of the world of golf to golfers and bringing golfers to the rest of the world whether it's writers or non-writers he was instrumental in a number of different trips i talked to Jim Finnegan this afternoon, the famous author from Philadelphia. He's 80-some years old. He's probably one of the most respected golf historians in the world. And I broke the news to him about Jack, and right away he said, oh, my gosh, Jack took me on one of those most amazing fam trips to Costa del Sol in Spain. He was always doing those things. He took me to Ireland. The first time I went to Ireland was with Jack, and we brought a whole big group of uh, golfers over there and started a competition went around the world um, he also uh, was instrumental in putting together the first trip 
to South Africa after Nelson Mandela was elected, and they wanted to show that South Africa was open to tourism, he teamed up with a South African broadcaster by the name of Willem von Drimmelen and brought um, like 20-some uh, golf riders from the United States and Europe to South Africa for two weeks to go around and see the entire country and see that it was now open for tourism. That was 1994, 20 years ago. So, I mean, he did these kind of things. He also was instrumental in a particular trip, a very memorable golf trip to Tony, we've just we've just got an hour. I mean, an hour, one minute. We and it would take an it would take an it would take an hour to tell that story, my friend. I'm not going through that whole story, but I I do want to mention that one particular person on that trip forgot to bring their golf clubs on a trip. But other than that, yes, thank you very much. Well, we know that one of his favorite places was Ireland, and that he had several memberships over there. And we will all be probably taking a memorial trip to there this summer. Thank you, Tony, so much. And before we leave the air, I just want to say rest in peace, Father O'Leary. We all love you and will miss you very much. We're out of here, the Golf Insiders. Thanks for the tribute to my good friend, Jack. Thank you, Tony. Yes, sir.